Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 69, and I'm joined by Ryan Goldhar, who's a talent agent, as well as an executive producer on films of mine, like How to Plan an Origin in a Small Town, Sex After Kids, and also the producer of an upcoming film called Becoming Burlesque, as well as my wife, Emily. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Google Hunting. I'm Jeremy. I've seen the movie, but not in a really long time. I've seen the. I'm Emily Lalonde. I've seen the movie lots of times, but not in a really long time. I'm Ryan Goldhart, and it's one of those movies where I think I've seen it. I know I've seen much of it, but I'm actually positive I've never seen it from beginning to end. Well, if you then if you have, then we're fucked because you're a virgin for this episode. Well, no, I'm. I'm <laughs> no, I'm. Like, I, I, I know. Like, I yeah. know just from memory, there's no way I've seen it. I just know that I've seen bunches of clips from it. I think it's hard not to, especially, like, you know, the, the year it came out, it was such a, a big movie because it was it was during the heyday of independent cinema, and this was, like, Miramax's big movie that year, and they were such a, a marketing machine when it came Absolutely. to the Oscars. So, And this is Emily's favorite movie, or one of... One of my favorite movies. Yeah. True. Yay! All right, so let's watch it. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this was a, a big deal, especially in that time period. I mean, like, Robin Williams was, was known for starting to get into more dramatic roles at yeah. that point and sort of popping in. Well, he's almost the actor that started that whole Oscar bait for comedians movement. Absolutely. With this. Yeah. Because after this was like Jim Carrey went on a, a spur for years trying to get an Oscar. Will Smith for years trying to get an Oscar. You know, they just made countless movies every year. You're like, oh, that's they're they're trying to get their Oscar with this one this year, right? Uh, and I don't think any of them ever worked besides this one. Well, or did they? I have to go back and I have to go back and look. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx got his for Ray, yeah. but I don't think Jamie Foxx was just known for comedy. I mean, here's a guy who came out of In Living Color. I mean, that's true. That's fair. Um, yeah. And so what was your first experience watching this, Emmy? You watched this in the theaters, or did you discover no, it after? I watched it on VHS in my bedroom, <laughs> alone. But you just re- you picked it up I on a whim. I rented it, yeah. You picked it up on a whim. Yeah. Oh, maybe we should wait until you s- we, we watch it, because I'd love to know just, like, your mentality after seeing it for the first time. Because you probably went in knowing nothing, right? Or did you? Did someone recommend it? I don't remember. It was okay. a long time There ago. was some buzz. It was, was 20 buzz. years ago. Yeah, but do you saw it, no, but what, did you, I guess you would have seen it after it the Oscars. It was pretty recent. Like, okay. We'll get into that, because I don't want, just, I don't want you to, right. because I know Emily quotes this movie constantly. Right. You do? I do. It's very fun. All right. <laughs> uh, so without spoiling any more, let's just watch it then. All right. Allons-y. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. And let's start with Ryan, because right. is, is, you're the virgin to... Uh, uh, I can guarantee that is a, absolutely the first time I've watched it from beginning to end. Yeah. So even though, like I said, like I know that I've seen scenes from it, and recollections, 
but I have never watched that movie. Yeah, and also the pop culture references that come out of it, like oh, the significant ones, and of course like Jay and Silent Bob, Strike yeah, Back, the Kevin Smith stuff, and obviously there's actually a lot of Kevin Smith influence in that movie. Yeah, yeah, huge amount. Well, he, Kevin Smith always talks about how this movie came out of the fact that. Ben Affleck kept on rewriting his lines and yep. his movies, and he's like, "Why don't you just go and write your own fucking movie?" Right. He says, and then the asshole does, and he wins an Oscar. Uh, but I mean, just just in the pacing, the dialogue, the the sort of demeanor. I mean, without the the ass and fart jokes, it's almost a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think his, he's got a credit. I think he, well, he, he was an EP on it. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. and Mosier, the yeah. Uh, well, basically, they got them the script, and yeah. then Kevin made. Well, I mean, I think it. If it wasn't for Kevin Smith's movie, is Mallrats before this? Mallrats is absolutely. This is '97. Okay, so it's just before. Yeah, not much, but, but this is around the time of chasing Amy, chasing Amy almost. Mm, yeah, maybe. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's definitely huge, yeah. huge, huge feel. And produced by Lawrence Bender, who is Tarantino's producer. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is something that Smith takes to to the Weinstein's. Yeah, and he's like, "You got to make the script." Yeah, or or meet with these guys. And there's, there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of the controversy with the William Goldman stuff. In general? Not about oh. this movie, no. So, I mean, I won't bore you with it. Have you ever heard of this stuff, Em? Okay, yeah. so William Goldman, do you know who he is? Yes. He wrote The Princess Bride. Yes, I know who he is. Amongst other things, yeah. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. So, uh, he's also a very famous script doctor. Right. Um, and he's written many screenplay books, including one called Which Lie Did I Tell This Time? Um... And then another one called something other lies and more eventually screen trade. One of the stories that came out uh, was that he actually wrote this script. Interesting. And or heavily rewrote it uh, because originally they had written something about like some kid was a math genius who and and all the espionage stuff was what they had written about. Right. Uh, and they had hired him to basically rewrite it or retool it. But then eventually what had happened was like this this is basically the story was that this is night and day from what their original script was. Sure. But the Miramax wanted Matt and Ben's names on it because it was just better PR and a better story. Yeah. Than some old Hollywood icon writing a no one's gonna believe that he can write a story about these yeah. kids from Southie. Right. Um and it's one of those and then and it was a rumor for a long time and then when Goldman played into it and then discredited the rumor. And so it's one of those things that uh, we just don't know. Even in his book, it's interesting, he spends half a chapter talking about how it's 100% true. This is what happened. These two fucking schmucks come into my office with this script that's half-baked. And this is what I did. And he tells the whole story, and at the end of the chapter he says, and also all that's bullshit. These guys are actually really talented. So he tells it. But he also says that he also says that he, but he also says I was paid very well to sign a non-disclosure agreement right. that that I would never reveal the real details. Yep. And so none of that's true. So so it, he write the way the chat the way that it's written about it is almost like, like are you like you don't know? You but don't I love know. the way he does exactly. it because it, there's a brilliance to him almost saying this is ridiculous that there's this big giant controversy about this. Right. Uh, but also he kind of plays into it. it's very it's a very fun story that you can look into more on your own for those who don't know that about Goodwill Hunting. You've never heard any of that? Yeah, you told me that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I so, mean, w- w- the scenes that you would have seen before probably include... I mean, there's there's the elements of, like, sort of... Uh, 
it's you know like uh, how do you like them apples? You know, there's a lot of uh, you know memed scenes from that used in in other references, uh, um, including. Uh, Smith using it in Jane Silent and Bob Strike Back when they make the sequel yeah. to uh, the <laughs> Good Morning. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like that Apple's bitch, right? So, yeah. uh, but uh, I mean, and then from a Toronto perspective, so it was definitely partly filmed in Toronto. Um, and there's a slew of, of Toronto performers like throughout the whole thing. Uh, Richard Fitzpatrick is the bartender. Uh, David Eisner is one of the three guys behind the table. Uh, Bruce Hunter is the NSI uh, um, um, uh, specialist who's interviewing him at the end. I mean, like, there's some really interesting scenes. And he was the one that I recognized. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then there's, you know, uh, you know, even in the credits, even if I didn't, like, you know, realize it while watching, I mean, I saw a bunch of names that I know, like Vic Sahai, who uh, played a student in it, and, you know, he yeah, went on yeah, to being in Chuck, and... Yeah. Yeah, that is Vic. It's funny. Yeah, because this, I mean, this movie is now 20 years it's old. It's 20 years old. So think of it. Vic, 20 years ago, was a kid. Just yeah. doing a role. Yeah, his line was, they asked him if he solved the equation. Yeah, not, not me. me. Yeah. <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. And so you, so Emily, you watched this the first time by yourself in your bedroom on a VHS tape. Yep. What's your reaction after? <laughs> now or then? Bo- both. Like, how do you feel about it now? Because you probably haven't watched it in years. Yeah, it feels... Like just a movie now. <laughs> oh really? Doesn't yeah. have that special feeling. No, it was a little more cheesy this time. <laughs> there are moments but that's I period. Won't say. Uh, that, sure. that that's dating it based on the way movies are made. I, I honestly yeah. think that's true. Like no matter how uh, good movies are and how amazing they were at the time and Oscar worthy and so on, time will change yeah, how true. you see things because modern media will make you see things just in a different way. It's faster, it's, you know, clearer, it's cleaner, it's digital, it's... Yeah. And suddenly think, your eyes and ears are picking up different things. Yeah, for me now, part of it feels melodramatic and a bit overwritten. Yeah. Um, but that's just that era, too, I that's think. That's right. Uh, it's just we, you know, when we do drama and we do films like this now, things are far more nuanced and subtle. Uh, because we went through this generation of this, and now we're just, we've evolved from that. Right. You know, but this has evolved from what came before it as well. What this is for for theaters then is for made for TV now, in the style and feel of the delivery, a little bit more theatrical than it is real. Yeah, and dram- dramatic, uh, or like like almost stage versus, you know. Yeah, I think like now it's like you know, and this was the screenplay that at the time was celebrated and won won the won the Oscar. Yeah. But I think now it's like if you handed in the screenplay to most people, they'd say that the dialogue is overwritten, mm-hmm. that the, there's not enough subtext, some of these moments aren't earned. Uh, it's inter- I still like it, but I remember the first time I saw it, that moment between Robin Williams and Matt Damon when he's like, "It's not your fault," over and over again. I'm like, that was so, like, that really really hit me. And this time around watching, I'm like, ooh, ooh it is. feels a bit. And, and and the moment when he breaks, it's just it's like, why is I don't understand why he's breaking. I don't right. get the motivation. Now, it was interesting. Although, I will still say, and I know this is probably Emily's favorite part of the movie, uh, or just in general, it's like, Mini Driver is a revelation. She's amazing. I mean, Emily, Emily will sit there. I'm, Emily, when I first met Emily, uh, she would quote this movie nonstop. <laughs> but it's pretty much just... Mini Driver's lines. Yeah, they're really funny. So, talk about 
that and just what what you love about Minnie Driver in this movie. Well, she's just funny. Like she's fun and she's funny and that's that, it. That's it. She's just funny. It's funny. No, she's absolutely like uh, engaging, and I mean, but that's what made her uh, likable in our industry anyway. Like everything you watch about her, like you just want to see more of her. Uh, like I don't know if you watched about a boy the series. Like I mean, like I, I just dove into that. Like it was based on you know series based on the movie based on the Nick, the Nick Hornby book. Uh, but it's like watching her week after week was worth watch that. But I, I've never seen it. Oh, so good. I watched The Riches yeah. with her in it. I mean, I'll watch anything that any driver's in just right. because you know you're going to be treated to some interesting, delightful performance. But just true talent. Like, she's just absolutely engaging to watch on, on, on any screen. Yeah, and this was her discovery role, I think. Or, uh, or yeah. around there. I can't, I'd have to look it up. But this is when she started to burst onto the screen. Well, it was sort sure. of all of them, right? I mean, even though they'd all had a role here and there, I mean, this was... I mean, especially with an Oscar win. I mean, like, this is what... Yeah, this is them all... The stratosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the big name in this movie is Robin Williams. Who? Who's that? Uh, we'll talk about him in a second. <laughs> no, but I can just... I, I just can only imagine that so much of what's in the final performance with Minnie Driver mm-hmm. is improvised. It, the little flourishes and little things. Yeah. Because un- otherwise, they wrote one of the most amazing female characters ever. Because it it just feels so natural for her to just embody. If she if she was able to just take what was on the page and lift it, right. amazing. Yeah. But it just feels like she took that character and did her own spin on it that wasn't necessarily on the page. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily written for a Brit, for instance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the references. Are you mad? And you know, like, and just sort of referencing about you know coming over and all. I mean, there's no reason that character ever has to be from England. They found the actress they needed to, you know, that killed it. Yeah. And uh, and they just sort of changed it for her. Or or she got to change it on the fly as they were filming it. Mm. You know, maybe it wasn't like that on the yeah, page. Yeah, I feel like it was probably, close. Yeah, it was probably an open call. Yeah. And uh, and then they reworked it for whoever the actress was. Mm-hmm. Which is the right thing to do in this movie. Absolutely. So what moments play differently for you now? Well, I think, like, things that... I found kind of cheesy before. Like, I I knew, like, Tom, I always was like, ugh. Uh, like, I never... I, I'm quite certain they actually found a real mathematician and just put them in that role. And well, it's like, it this was, is a cameo scene for a true mathematician. It's like, you can be in this movie. It's like, sure. John Mighton is his name, and John Mighton wrote books about teaching math. Oh, you're right then. So I think it's quite think possible. Like that could be a full-on cameo might, maybe for he, a true mathematician. He could have been the there. First con- time I yeah, consultant or whatever. Consultant. Yeah, he was probably their consultant. They yeah. did that. So I just feel. I, here's the thing. In other times I'd seen this movie, which is not nearly as much as you've seen M. I never even probably noticed Tom because Tom is that poor Tom role. Right. But I think you're 100 percent right. Like that. There's a reason he's there. It was almost like a thank you to him. Because any other actor is going to give it nuance. He's but so that flat. guy is acting like someone who belongs there. Like he truly is an MIT genius mathematician who is like in the professor's, you know, like office and works with him because that guy who's on screen is real. He's the realest part of this film. Yeah, but also really sad. Like, there's just all these moments where you're just like, why is Tom... I'm not going to judge how mathematicians... Why is Tom in the therapy session? There's just that one moment where literally 
he's sitting there telling, uh, you know, Will Hunting yeah. about how it's like, you know, he, he really believes and he really cares that you should treat him better. Yeah. And then Stone's Casgard walks in. He's like, go get me coffee. <laughs> he's like, but he treats you like shit, Tom. Him. He was born in Hamilton. And okay. uh, this is him in 2010. Looks a little different. Oh, wow. That's totally him. So, yeah, so he was... So he wrote um, books that a lot of educators have read because it's about teaching math to kids who... Yeah, so he was... So he was probably the consultant of the film, like, at least on that part. Yeah. Is Good he, call, both says of he's you. he's also a playwright, though, so... Oh, he's interesting. In that kind of well, maybe. A Canadian mathematician. Maybe you knew my cousin. <laughs> but I didn't know before. I never knew who he was until I was Well, they would have needed to... Yeah, I mean, we just had... We just, I just... For the first time I ever worked with a consultant on uh, on the movie we just made, we had a, a guy. There's a lot of stuff about CERN and the Large Hadron Collider and plot particles, and and so we had a, a consultant that helped build it, uh, and he gave us you know just reams of real um, formulas and whatnot, right. and went through the script with us and just made everything more accurate. And so just uh, we never thought to put him in the movie, unfortunately. Uh, but but it's interesting. So I imagine like every single everything, even though they never really talk about or explain what are these things. Yeah, like I'm they're sure just you, doing formulas, and he's answering. And we don't need to know what they mean. No, or what, it doesn't matter. Or right? what they're about, you know. But I believe they're authentic. I'm sure that some math person could actually freeze frame the movie and look at it and be like, "Oh, that's that," right? And really nerd out over it, right? The well, same way they do on the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, the Big Bang yeah. Theory does. Then they they have consultants. And I think even on the whiteboard, they're like, that's a joke at the yeah. bottom. That is a joke that math nerds will get, no one else will get. Right. That's funny, yeah. And then there's, of course, uh, you know, I keep on waiting for Stellan Skarsgård to bring out the Tesseract. and uh, But he's, you know, so much younger. Maybe he was a time traveler. I'm just glad there's only, what, I think there's two very blatant moments where he's a super creepy professor. <laughs> yeah. Why well, don't you have a drink with me? Did you remember that, Em? I, yeah. Even then? Yeah, yeah, well, even then, it was a bit weird. But I'm sure that that's because you were at that age. You were, prob- you were, we were probably around the same age as the character. No, we were younger. Yeah. Well, no. well, you were younger. 97, I mean... I was in first year of university. We're talking, so you probably had... Oh, yeah, you guys are a couple of years younger. Teachers. I'm already well, almost done at York. Yeah, but it's like you... See, for me, it's like... that. I don't think that registered to me the first time I watched it, but right. I'm also like a you know 15-year-old male. Who, that's not my experience dealing right. with guys like that, but that's you were right in the thick of it. Yeah. No. But you know what I mean. But it's like you were in university. It's like I'm sure this kind of thing was happening with other professors. Never happened to me. No one offered me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> me either. Oh no. No. I'm sorry. You didn't have a creepy Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, no. Skarsgård. Uh, no creepy professors at U of T. Well, I'm sure there were. <laughs> No, 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 no offense to you too. I'm why am I condemning you of tea? And then of course we're we're leaving the best for last, which is uh, the late Ben Affleck. Yeah, Ben Casey. Batfleck. Speaking of creepy men now, Casey Affleck. Well, we'll just gloss over. Yeah, him. we'll just you know put him aside. He's in the film. It's a good. Yeah, time. Um, uh, Williams. Robin Williams. He's so good. Every time I see him in any movie from that era, which is like from Goodwill Hunting and Awakenings, and like any time he's got the full beard going and glasses, a Jumanji, he is an identical twin to my father in that era. Oh. I mean, uh, probably anyone who knows my dad in the last twenty years only knows him with just a mustache. Yeah, 
But I grew up, up until I was about 15, I only knew him looking like that. Oh, fun. And then suddenly, uh, you know, one weekend he came, you know, like a visiting day at camp or something, and he showed up, and I thought it was my cousin. I said, what's my mom doing with my cousin? Where's my dad? And then he was my dad. But, like, Williams and and Larry were, like, twins in that time (laughs) period. Oh, crazy. Um, Yeah. He's just so amazing to watch. And, And, you know makes you miss him more uh, that you're not getting more of him uh, that, that when he died that ju- I just sat there for about a minute or two in just complete silence not wanting to believe it not not understanding it and just being heartbroken over, over how it happened and ugh. I but what, what I love about this performance is I'm sure again on the page like the wrong actor doing that part mm-hmm. it like the, the he keeps it, I think, from being more melodramatic and, and heavy than it probably would have been in other hands. Uh, you know, even probably pruning out some dialogue that's not necessary. True. Um, here and there, but it's just he makes that. I mean, you also go through those kind of overly written scenes with the other bad therapists, right? You know, and then you get him who's just. Grounded and real. Think about anyone from the mid to late 90s in that age bracket who's playing that role otherwise. Like, if it's not Robin Williams, who is it? Is it De Niro? Is it Pacino? Is it, you know, like, any any of those films at that time are going to be bringing in, you know... A name, although maybe maybe not a name, because of the people no. behind it. No, he was definitely giving the, him the chance to be that leading guy. But that's what it was. Like they were yeah. they were banking on him for the markability of the film. Yep. Because because you know Stellan's uh, a name in in not in America necessarily, but he was not necessarily he wasn't a draw. The no. you know Matt and Ben weren't draws at that point. Right. They'd been in some Kevin Smith movies and and some others. Or Ben had, but. Uh, you know, so it was really, uh, it was really Miramax getting behind it because they were the house of independent, absolutely, God at that point, and then uh, and then Robin Williams was kind of like that, that token stamp of approval, going, you love him, and this is something you haven't seen him do before, right? Oh yeah, no, there's no question. I mean, like it's, like it's the performance of his lifetime, really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what else? You started with Unless Tom. Unless it's Patch Adams, I guess. Yeah, right. you started with Tom, and then was there anything else that you know? What else was different for you this time? Mm. I don't. You don't, I don't know? know. I mean, it's mostly the same, but it was just a little more like the things that kind of bothered me before stood out more. Like what? Like what kind of stuff? I can't think of it right now. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but Tom. And like just anything that was a little bit like cheesy. That <laughs> mm. doesn't <laughs> age well. Out more, yeah. So you would say the movie does not age well for you, anyway. I did not like it. I think so. I mean, for me, it's like, but yeah, there were like, moments like that fight scene at the beginning. Yeah, it's just is bad. Well, that's just that was just how it was done but I mean having the fight scene wasn't a bad idea no the fight scene is good no I just I'm talking about how it was executed oh, it just yeah, that's just that's just the filmmaking yeah it just doesn't feel uh yeah it's just it's just a weirdly sh- the way it's shot it just doesn't feel as visceral as it should no it should you, be darker you can, well you can just see you just watch it going oh nobody's actually getting hit yeah. this you know you're missing all the real action of it 
it just it just felt like that scene should I mean at the time maybe it did feel like a big shock and really ultra violent uh, yeah but think about how much more aggressive our filmmaking is now that you know they just, they just beat the they literally beat the crap out of each other on camera now and, yeah but it's still it's still not as that's still not what I'm talking about, though, because even now, like when you look at fight scenes in movies, they're not really well done either. Because the way they they just they don't edit them well and they don't shoot them well, and everything is just jerky and tight and quick right. cuts. The music was very strange during that too, because even though there was there was underscore and music at the same time during yeah. the fight scene, and it was throwing me off. It uh, was like simultaneous. It's meant to maybe create some kind of. Well, it's chaos in my brain. I couldn't pay attention to the bike, the fighting. Maybe that's what they wanted. Yeah, no, that's like, totally let's, intentional. Let's draw them away from the bad editing <laughs> well, by score, confusing them with the sound. And it's funny. It's, it's again. It's one of those things where I'm sure it's like it's like Miramax loading in heavy hitters, but it's like the score is by Danny Elfman, mm-hmm. and you know Danny Elfman's mostly known for his you know whimsical Tim Burtony kind of stuff, right. and so it it just feels like another stunt casting. But then, like, when you listen to the score, the score doesn't stand out in any way. No. Like I I said, it is any version of a movie of the week now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's... But that's 20 years later. You know, but it's just the feel. It's the way that we see things now. Yeah. The way that, you know, Stranger Things is better on TV than that ever could be as, you know, like, whatever 10 episodes you're watching versus a two-hour movie. It would still be an amazing movie. But everything's made for TV in a different way now, and the movies then made for now feel like the ones that are on Lifetime or Hallmark. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's interesting, too. It's like even Minnie Driver's character, uh, watching this time, I felt sadder for her. Not in the sense that it's like, oh, I feel bad for her because her boyfriend's being shitty. He's but a just, shitty guy. Well, it's more just the sense that it's like, I feel like now you she'd be her second half would be as well written as her first half right in the sense that the moment she asks him to to go off with her you just feel like now she's the girlfriend you know and she's lost that really wonderful essence that she had before and now she just kind of feels like not the nagging girlfriend because she's not written that way uh you know she's written as being very empathetic and caring uh but she just disappeared from the story and for me like she's kind of the heart of the story well, it's true. I mean, it's it's done well because guys really are that shitty to people, and 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 you know, and and when girls are open up to them, a lot of the time, especially young guys who are fucking stupid like he is, react that way and say stupid things, and they break their hearts like that because you know, sometimes we're shitty human beings. That's right. That <laughs> was as real as as possible. <laughs> watching her break down because you know oh, he was a total douchebag. Yeah, and I guess, and I have to keep on remembering he's supposed to be 20. Right. In that moment, you know? Yeah. And that would have been the age you watched I'm sure I did that too to my wife when we were dating in high school. (laughs) I remember being shitty to a girl because I wanted her to break up with me, so I didn't have to break up with her. Oh, that's the best thing. That's literally what he's doing there. Yeah, exactly. That's the terrible. You're smiling awkwardly right now. I didn't do it to you. No. We're still oh, together. I've done that a few times. <laughs> yeah, you got to be as shitty as possible so they break up with you, so that you're not the dumpy. <laughs> I, in my mind, I did it because I'm like, well, then they, and this is such a selfish 
like terrible thing to say. I, I hear myself saying it, but it's like I did it. So I was like, they can hate me, and it'll be a faster recovery process for them, as opposed to if I break up with them and they're sad. Yep. Which is a really selfish way to think of it because they might not have cared at all. Right. I'm putting a lot of projection on how I think they're yeah, going to feel. What else do we have? Well, Except was, for actually talking with them? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, but that was also my, the, my 20-year-old version of myself going, they're going to be so upset when I break up with them. I'm, I'm going to do them the favor of being able to be mad at me first. What a, what a gentleman I yeah. am. Ugh. 20-year-old Jeremy was a dick. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> female female members of the population who who men have done this to you. And well, it was likely one of us. <laughs> we're, well, well I'm much better now, but I'm also, you know, old. We're trying to create a better generation to come after us, we promise. <laughs> yeah. We're doing our best. My son will be fine. It's my daughter I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be the gentleman. She's going to be a terror. <laughs> I feel bad for any man or woman she dates. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? I mean, sometimes we talk about how you remake it. It's like, I feel like this movie is, is still being made, this kind of movie. But I think, yeah, it's like Emily's right. Or you're right. It's like it's more about you're, you're doing this kind of stuff on television now. Yeah. A movie uh, like this is not getting made for features anymore. Um, in this story. This story is not going to get told again. No, but what they, not in this way, not in the independent way. It's like now it's being made with, it's being star-studded because it's being tracked for Oscars from the get-go. Absolutely. Get yeah. yeah. Interesting. So the value changes, the, 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 the dynamic of it, you're going to see a completely different film. No, now this would be a TV series. Yeah. And, and it would be more about him trying to juggle being a genius. Or while you still living. tell this story, and it's a period piece. You can't tell it modern. What's that? I just don't see it. I mean, like, you could do a TV series modern, but not as a feature. Well, I promise you, first of all, Will Hunting would not be white in the modern version. Oh, no, no, no. Not a chance. Of this. It, it would be... Yep. You know... And he wouldn't necessarily be black either. He well, would be... Well, probably not even from South Boston either. I mean, they'll have to change the, you know, the, the location, too. He's... Uh, no. But there would be an interesting TV version of this where you have some guy... He's from Markham. Markham. No, but you have some guy dealing with... You know, being from a different part of the world in terms of just, like, uh, perspective and privilege and all that kind of stuff. Uh, trying to navigate his his way in this other world that he's not used to, but he, he fits in really well, you know, mm-hmm. to use that piano metaphor. Yeah. You know, he, he can play in that world, but he doesn't feel like he fits there. Right. And then he's also got this this woman who is amazing and is also talented in her own right. Right. But she's also it's like, I'm not the super genius you are. No, I, I gotta have, work I, at it. I have to work. I love that aspect of it too. She's like, I want to learn how to do this kind of stuff. It just doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I want you to do it for me. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's my version of it. Now it's a TV show. I always thought uh, it was good will hunting and not that the name was will hunting before I'd seen it. Yeah. I guess I'd hear that it was like someone's hunting for goodwill right. amongst people. And then the first time I saw it, I was like, why did they split up the word goodwill? I don't even understand <laughs> that when I saw the title for the first time. But at the same time, the title his name was, is Will Hunting. The title makes no difference to that movie. It's a bad title. Oh, yeah. Like, what did you always say? We should title? call it math. Just, just call it math. Yeah, just call it math. But it wasn't like the movie was about whether he's a good person or a bad person. Yeah. You know? It's, it's a bad title. Maybe it should be called else. Find Will Hunting. Ugh, no. Finding Will Hunting. 
Math. Pl- Math. Apples. <laughs> Whatever. There's better titles <laughs> for this movie. Anyway. Harvard. Uh, that's it. That's it. You know. You know. To, to wrap up, uh, like I, I still like this movie. I still like. I watch it, and there's a lot of stuff that I really, really enjoy, and I'm smiling throughout. But, uh, but I will say, you know, in my conclusion, that I think that it definitely does not hold up as well as when I first watched it, and and really, really dug it. Um, but I think it's still worth worth watching if you haven't seen it. Uh, and from the Virgin perspective, yeah. Uh, that was uh, worth all two hours of it, or however long that was. Yeah. I mean, on first watching, uh, I don't. I'm able to look past the does it stand up? Doesn't I can tell the period it was shot in, but I enjoyed every second of it. So it's like even though I know what parts are cheesy and what aren't, it doesn't mean that I can't appreciate the whole thing as a whole and just go, yeah, I can sit and watch that again. Yeah. Um, will I? I don't know. But it'll be a few years. But at the same time. I was uh, unhappy. I feel like we'll watch it when our kids are old enough to watch it because they know that it's it's the seminal film for. for They're gonna look at those formulas and go, oh, "That's old math." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can do that in junior high. Look at our new division. <laughs> yeah, don't that kind of shit in their textbooks now. So funny. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for revisiting, Em. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> you had to come all the way from the house. Oh, it was a really oh. far walk. You just passed up your bedtime. That's that's the hard thing. Too old, tired. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thanks for joining us for Goodwill Hunting. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there, or an album podcast, or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.